What's up, Videolanders? Welcome to the Adventures in Videoland Pantheon Companion. I'm your host, Dr. Diamond Doug, and with me tonight is... The Mac, Gary Ms. McFall. Mr. Miggity Miggity Mac. Quick reminder, you can find us on AdventuresInVideoland.com or on our Facebook page, Adventures in Videoland. We are critics with attitude. In many of the AV podcasts, you'll hear some bad language. How would you describe that language, Mr. Mac? Uh, you know, things like uh, stuff you wouldn't say to your grandma, you know, like just imp improper language. However, that's just not our style. It is not. So we will try to keep this PG-13. Also, spoiler alert, if you don't want tonight's movie ruined, pause this episode, watch the movie, and come back later. With that said, tonight we'll be talking about our Pantheon nomination, number three, Pink Floyd, The Wall, the 1982 movie. Before we get to any of that, we're going to chat about what is Pantheon. People ask that question all the time. Mr. Mac, Thank could you. you answer the question, what is Pantheon to you? Pantheon is uh, it's a movie that's been nominated to go in the Hall of Honor. That movie needs to have, uh, it needs to meet some minimum requirements, you know. It can't just be that movie that you really like from childhood, that one that gives you the, the warm and fuzzies because you watched it with your first girlfriend or your family or whatever. It needs to be a movie that meets some specific criteria. For example, it should have a great director, cinematography. Mm -hmm. Uh, the casting should be done well. The Not just the writing, but the acting should be on point. As the kids say, on fleek, at least. I think they used to say that. Yep. But but also, if there's special effects, they should be, you know, they should keep keep up with the modern day. They should hold their own, even today, even in an older movie like The Wall. Uh, they should be special effects that you would still appreciate the quality. Sure thing. Thank you very much. Um, so last time we chatted about Boogie Nights. It was uh, nominated did. by Ryan Smith. And uh, we gave, we uh, we made a prediction on that one. I said I personally didn't think that it should be in there, right. but uh, I thought that it might eke out, eke through in the council. And you said I said I thought it would make it, but just barely. And as it turns out, six a, a six eleven decision. It needs six out of eleven. Six yeah. out of eleven. So for Pantheon status, it needs a two thirds majority, which will be seven. Seven out of eleven. There's nine members on the council. Yeah. Uh, and then there's a there's a guest voter, and then the Facebook count the Facebook poll counts as another vote. But with all that said, it was six eleven, just shy of the seven that it needed to get in. Now the Facebook poll did say yes, so that was a one. Of course, the nominator was gonna be one, and so amongst all the other members of the council, only four other members said yes. Too many of them said no. Five said no. It is what it is. It's rather common for the Facebook poll to be positive in general. It kind of is. And again, I believe that's you know, a lot of people think about movies that they really like uh, or movies that they enjoyed. Um, yeah. There were fewer members, though, on the poll from Boogie Nights that by the end of the poll had said, I need to rewatch it. Yeah. Then there were, for example, from the previous nominee... A nomination. Dear Zachary. Dear Zachary, yeah. Which we said would not get in, well, yeah, and then it got not. two out of 11 yeah. um, to get in. Yeah. Now, uh, the I, I would say as far as the need for rewatch, and we'll, we'll, we can chat about this later or now, that mm. uh, one of the interesting things or notable things about this time around mm -hmm. is that this movie was hard to find. 
It was. It wasn't on just regular streaming. It wasn't on Netflix or Amazon Prime. Uh, you could find it in bits and like bits and yeah, chunks, like six like different pieces on YouTube. Bubble gum on YouTube. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. But then you weren't really sure if you might be missing. And it a was like one forty four DPI or whatever. Yeah, real yeah. But you could watch it there you for could. free. You could. Uh, but uh, I actually just found a copy for eight bucks, a new copy. Yeah. Uh, and it was a re-release copy, so it had a really nice, uh, you know, decorative sleeve and stuff. And uh, that's the one that that's the one that we watched. Actually. And the council members I heard were passing it around, passing like this around, like like we would with a movie, like a VHS tape back in in uh, yes. in college. Uh, say, hey, you need to watch this, which is how it would have been, and how Nathan. Plantinga, who uh, had nominated, had said he had watched it, is that somebody had given him an old VHS tape that they right. popped in during high school. And it would have taken two of those. Oh, nope, 90-minute yeah. movie, one yeah. tape, all yeah. done. Yeah. Two albums for the album, but only one tape for the movie. All right, so there was a there was an interesting question that was posted by Matthew Wade on the Adventures in Video Land mm. Facebook site. Was this the formidable movie question? Yeah, this, this was the uh, formative band, like, what were the formative bands during your high school years or mm. teenage years and and if uh, what what formative album would you like to see in a movie made into a movie uh, from that so I, I wrote down uh, the list that we had here that somebody said Ziggy Stardust somebody said Proto Man Act 2 somebody said Rush uh, somebody said Adele's 21 somebody said uh, Kyle Brown said American Idiot there's Fleetwood Mac in there I, I put down Metallica Black. Yeah. yeah. Uh, somebody else said Green Day. Somebody said Pink World. We were chatting about this, uh, me and you. Yeah. And you, you said your initial response was what? Uh, yeah. Ray. Yeah. <laughs> your, your response was, hey, you know what would be a great movie? Yeah. Like, oh yeah. So then, on reflection, what I realized was, and this this actually took you know all of five minutes of my life, but I sat and reflected about it. The reality is, uh, growing up. Uh, high school years, my formative years in the in the 80s, almost all the major albums that were really big were movie soundtracks already. Uh, Footloose, Purple Rain, uh, um, Flash Gordon. Batman. Batman. Those were, uh, those were already movie soundtracks, and those were also the albums of those years for me. And so it was a little harder for me to try to find an album that I was like, yeah, that's the one. Rush. Rush would have been a great one. Also, Van Halen's 1984. If somebody sure. could have like strung that together as a movie somehow, that would have been amazing. But those were just the two examples. I and it took me yeah. a little while to come up with those two. Yeah, for me, for me, the most formative band. I was a I was a Metallica fan through high school. First concert that I went to, like without my parents or anything, mm. I actually snuck out of the house and had to get my friends to drop me off by midnight so that my parents. It was on a Wednesday wow. on a school night. I snuck out to see a Metallica concert i told them the night before i left for college that i did that that you did it yeah so yeah they found out later and they were like yeah i don't care <laughs> <laughs> i mean they would have they would have been pissed at, on the, the, time, at the time at the time yeah but they didn't care in the moment in the moment um all right so uh let's let's chat about uh our movie for tonight pink uh, looking at pink floyd the wall uh, that it came out in 1982, it's rated R, that it's uh, it's in the genre, they label it as animation, drama, musical, performing arts, yeah. um, all over the place, because like, it's a lot of different things. Yeah, I you know, it's rated R for a couple of reasons, there, there, there are some, there is a little bit of nudity, not a lot, there's a little bit of nudity in there, 
nudity. And we watched it together. We did, and I thought there might be two or three scenes with maybe some yeah. breasts, but there was probably, I would say, a half a dozen. Yeah. But there wasn't really much else as far as that goes. But there was a lot of either either uh, explicit or, or implicit violence in the movie, and I think that's probably more of the reason why it would go right in And R. the vagina flowers. You know, there were vagina flowers. Yeah. Although... A child may not recognize what that was, but certainly every adult that looks like that, almost every adult that looks at that, and would the, know what that and was. And the judge who was literally talking out, out of his, his butthole <laughs> yeah, at the end. Um, so it screens for the and run... screaming the word defecate. Yeah, yeah. It screens at a runtime of 95 minutes uh, that it was released in theaters on August 1, 1982, directed by Alan Parker, written by Roger Waters, who was of the band. Yep. Him, uh, himself. Uh, a synopsis that I found here was the musical doc. This is a short one. Mm. The musical documentary examines the impact of legendary rock band Pink Floyd's iconic 11th studio album, The Wall. Um, that's a very boring one. The the more interesting one uh, was from Talks about Pink Wikipedia. Himself. Wikipedia has the first first paragraph is pretty nice where it says The Wall is a 1982 British live action animated musical drama film directed by Alan Parker, with animated segments by political car- cartoonist Gerald Scarf, and is based on the 1979 Pink Floyd album of the same name. The film centers around a confined rocker named Pink. Later on in the movie, you hear uh, the operator say a, f- a collect call from Mr. Floyd. Mr. Floyd, So That's it is correct. His, name, his full name, the is, name Pink is Pink Floyd. Floyd who, after being driven into insanity by the death of his father and many depressive moments during his lifetime, constructs a metaphorical and sometimes physical wall to be protected from the world and emotional situations around them mm. and other stuff until he goes to insanity. Completely insane, yeah. Yeah, and then... And by uh, the way, Pink was played by the adult Pink, because there's both. Uh, there's three Pinks. There's a very, very young Pink. Yep. Then there's a, a school-age, schoolboy Pink, and then there's the adult Pink. The adult Pink was played by Bob Geldof, who um, a lot of people don't realize this guy was already a rocker, already an actor, sometimes actor. And you were telling me about him he today. He organized uh, Live Aid. Yep. Uh, which is, uh, at the time anyway, was the largest live concert. It was viewed by literally uh, uh, hundreds of millions, if not a billion, people worldwide simulcast from both London and uh, Pittsburgh, I think. Yeah. So, uh, you know, this guy was not the, the actor who played Pink. He was not a nobody. He became a very big somebody. There, on the bottom, so I give you that cast list. Yes. There's there's a couple notes on the bottom of that. Can you read those? That's yeah. about Gerald Scarf, the cartoonist, and about Alan mm. Parker. Yeah, well, Alan Parker, the director, uh, you know, just, just a couple quick things. He also directed Midnight Express, Fame, The Commitment, uh, and Avita. So it, you know, even the director, this was not just like a one-time doodad thing that he just kind of put together. He was a well-known director at the time, and he's been an award-winning director over time. The cartoonist... Uh, that's uh, Gerald Scarf. He worked for the Sunday Times, the New Yorker, and uh, and the movie Hercules as production supervisor. He's still living. He I is. just googled him. If you Google Gerald Scarf, um, S C A R F E. Yeah, Scarf with an E on the yep. end. That um, that he's he's still doing a lot of political satire. Yeah. That it, it's very pointed. Uh, at first, I was like, "Oh, this guy hates Trump," and then I was like, "Oh no, he hates everyone." <laughs> no, he, uh, he 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 yeah. like he, he like hates family the... guy is more than happy yeah. to insult absolutely everybody unequivocally on all sides. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, so I was and, looking. Oh, just one quick note. Yeah. By the way, uh, his cartoon 
so I, growing up, then and through college and post-college, would see political cartoons, and I would always feel like it felt familiar, but I didn't know why, until the rewatch of The Wall on Thursday with you, and then uh, well, when I reread that, that this is the cartoonist, cartoonist that did the animated sections, I went, that's why those political cartoons felt so familiar. They were clearly in his style. So, uh, of all the people, there was not a lot of major n- main big name really ones who would you say is the most uh, the most prominent actor yeah the the most prominent actor is bob hoskins of roger rabbit and other fame and uh, a plug a sideways plug for av right here great podcast talking with the guy who wrote who wrote roger rabbit and uh, its sequel yeah. well a sequel whatever the second R- it was rabbit, rabbit. kudos to brad on that that was an excellent mm-hmm. excellent uh interview so there's actually a tie-in back um uh, so there is another guy michael ensign that you like he played a bit part you wouldn't know this necessarily he's the guy that opened the hotel room hotel manager yeah. who also uh two years later plays a hotel manager in ghostbusters ah uh, same same uh, 1984 yeah he was also in war games and titanic what he played in war games i don't know oh all right well i don't know the the computer I don't know <laughs> <laughs> I love uh, working. yeah 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 um, so Pink Floyd uh, I was looking up some information on Pink Floyd the band um, fun fact one of the original names that they were floating through was Megadeths really yeah Megadeths like the Abadabas and some other things but one of the names they were looking at was the Megadeths Megadeths um, they originally started as an R and B band so it's a british band they wanted to play r&b and then they got into drugs and they started playing this psychedelic stuff right. and it's kind of like a proto fish yeah uh band where they would play these long jam sets right of 20 minute songs that weren't really any song but just like a jam and they weren't the only british band doing that uh they were actually were following in 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 uh in uh well, uh, 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 well, tread foot, pr- footsteps yeah. like Queen and some of the other move, some of the other uh, British bands that were doing these exploratory songs and artsy songs that then got accepted as like mainstream rock or British rock anyway. And uh, so, Pink Floyd: The Wall is the eleventh album. So it's not not on the front end; it's on the back end in terms of the fame. Uh, and uh, so, band members, including previous band members at this point, Nick Mason, Roger Walt, Waters, uh, Richard Wright, Sid Barrett, who was part of them for just a couple of years in the beginning, he was largely the the um, the the inspiration for Pink. In the movie. Ah, okay. Sid, Not Roger Sid, Wall, but Sid. Ro- well, it was an amalgam of both Sid Barrett and Roger Waters. Because ah, right. uh, Sid, Sid uh, his family didn't agree with this, that he was schizophrenic, but he pro- he wasn't right. He was he, he literally shaved his like Pink shaved did his shaved his eyebrows shaved his head yeah he, he struggled he, had he some, was a he had synest- some emotional issues he was a synesthete what are they he had synesthesia where he could like taste and see color color and sound like ah. so like he would say like this part of the song is warm or like is more this part we of need the song less is blue we need less autumn on right. this yeah right uh, so like he was he, he had that kind of mind sure. but he uh, he cycled out 
uh, and would like become catatonic and it was really in the LSD phase where everyone's doing doing drugs and stuff like that. And Roger Waters had experiences like the dead rat that shows up. Yeah. Uh, so like That's you why get the this kid com- got sick. Yeah. yeah. So you get a combo of those things together to get the pink character gotcha. that shows up in the movie that Roger the, used. When I was a child, I had a fleeting glimpse. I had a fever and my hands yeah. felt like swollen balloons. That's Roger's. That's experience. Roger's experience. Not yeah. not, not the shaved eyebrows. Yeah, crazy. Yeah. 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 So anyway, uh, so there was two songs that were out of the movie and two songs that were off the soundtrack. So there, in the movie, there was two songs that didn't make the soundtrack. Right. And in the, in the soundtrack, there's two songs that didn't make the movie. Right. Um, notably, Hey You. Yeah. Hey You uh, didn't make the movie, um, but they, but they it's on filmed the, it's it. it's on the album. Yeah. And, and uh, Hey You, by the way, is one of those, uh, in listening to this album when I was in college... Hey You is one of those that sticks with me. If somebody says Hey You, I actually hear that particular song. So, uh, ratings, reviews, and receipts. This is just as an opener right here. Sure. Uh, the ratings for the movie IMDb listed at 8.0 out of 10. Metacritic is a 47. 47 out of 100. That's a big contrast. It is, uh, because they had four positive, four mixed, and five negative. Mm. The Rotten, to- Rotten Tomatoes has 71% fresh. 7.1 out of 10. So it's the like n- not always does Rotten Tomatoes have the same audience uh, or the same average score right. to the fresh score, but in this case that it was 71% fresh, 7.1 out of 10. 89% of the audiences like it. They give it 4 out of 5 stars. Google has a 92% people like the movie. It's all over the map. Yeah, you wonder how many people are actually reviewing the album and how many are reviewing the movie. So he, so here's here's a couple of reviews uh, of the movie. I'm going to read a couple of them, right and, I, and I'm going to see if you know who any of these people are who gave this review. All right, Mr. Mac. Uh, the first one is uh, somebody said called it the most expensive student film ever made. Do you know who said that? Uh, e- either Siskel or Ebert. No, oh, hold on to that. I'll come back. Uh, another person said, I don't understand why people like this movie. All right, hold yeah, on to that. And there's another one that says, uh, generally speaking, it's a disappointment. So when I read reviews, here's the deal. When wait, wait. I read reviews, the the major critics, they're almost always negative. Fun fact, let me tell you who said those. Yeah, who the said first that? one, Alan Parker is the director, said it's the most expensive student film ever. <laughs> and the director said it was that. <laughs> Design, so the cartoonist, Gerald Scarf, said, I don't understand why people like the movie. And the band itself said, it's a general disappointment. <laughs> <laughs> That's so, awesome. Yeah. Uh, now, across the board, now... Just now, the be- band did cash the checks. I was Yo, thinking. yeah. Okay, I'm, ju- of, I'm just asking. The day of, yeah. Um, now, across the board, people, that doesn't mean that it's not necessarily a good movie. Even right. If the people involved didn't like it, you can still make art that everybody else likes. Famously, unrelated to everything that we're saying here, Tchaikovsky didn't like the war, the 1812 overture. Right. He which thought is, it was schlocky. Which is... Like, and it's, you, anybody like, hears it and they know exactly what it is. Yeah. So, uh, it's been used so he many did it times. And he was like, nah, I didn't like that one. But, like, it, it. like, that's his most famous. Like, it's yeah. one, of, one of the most famous, right? Um, so, Washington Post. So, here's three different ones across the board. Uh, Washington Post, Rita Kempley gave it, like, Metacritic labels it as a zero. 
and it's atrocious and pretentious, superfluous, superficial, shallow, dated, and bilious. I think this goes along with my comment about the critics. Don't yeah, a jumble of gooey special effects, sappy symbolism, and out-of-it out of animation. Yeah. Empire gives it a 40. It's like, it might as well be a halfway. Neil Jeffries says it's overwrought live action sequences, surreal to the point of bewildering animation, grabs your attention but doesn't know what to say once it's got it. <laughs> Roger Ebert, Metacritic, Critic gives it a hundred. Okay. Yeah. So uh, those tensions and conflicts produce, I believe, the right film for the material. Uh, I don't require that its makers had a good time. I'm reminded of my favorite statement of Francois Truffaut. Uh, I demand that a film express either the joy of making cinema or the agony of making cinema. I'm not interested in anything in between. <laughs> uh, and it is on his great films list. Really? Uh, Ebert. Ebert. Wow. Yeah, so all over the map. But remembering where he came up and where he started and when his like uh, his uh, his his own formative years the, would be, right in the groove. Yeah, and Floyd. he made Beyond the Valley of the Dolls. Roger Ebert yeah. did. Yeah. So uh, if you haven't seen that, look it up, <laughs> uh, those who are listening to the podcast. Uh, as far as receipts, so as far as receipts are concerned that... Um, domestic, that it had opening at number three rank on the opening weekend, um, and it, it had a domestic take of 22 million and change. Um, it, it, it made money as far as so we talked to make though. Uh, it made it was 12 percent of the total uh, total gross. So it was um, okay. Yeah, math. Yeah, got it. Uh, Two and a half million. Whatever that is. Like twenty, like twenty million or something. Or t- did it make two hundred million or twenty million? It made twelve point two percent of the total gross. Oh, so I got gotcha. you. Okay, I'm not doing the math right I gotcha. now. No, Maybe eighteen I mil. Gotcha. So it made money. So we talked about our butts and seats index. So for 1982 at two dollars and ninety four cents per ticket mm-hmm. in 1982, this has a BSI of seven point five seven million butts okay. and seats. Compared to similar is across the universe. It's another movie that is uh, Beatles, similar. right? Mm-hmm. 2007 with uh, six dollars and eighty eight cents per ticket mm-hmm. in 2007. Uh, at twenty four million point six has yep. a BSI of three point five eight. So this so uh, BSI for the wall is seven point five mm-hmm. million across the universe three point five. Got it. Three point six. So it did better than across the universe. Yeah. Uh, BSI for Tommy. Okay. Tommy nineteen seventy five, yeah. you know. Uh, you were around for that one. I was born that year. I was ninety six that year. Yeah, I know you were. Yeah. Uh, uh, $2.05 for ticket, 30, it made $34 million. and it had a BSI of $16.7 million. So really Tommy, same Tommy was was pretty good. Yeah, but it's the same category, really. I, mean, same, yeah. I realize 16 and 12 are not the same number, but... Well, we, last, last time we talked about Infinity Wars, which was like 400 million BSI, yeah. When you're not, you're getting people who watch movies like Infinity War, they go, they go to the theater and they'll watch it in the theater three times. That's not happening for this. Yeah, no, no. Uh, yeah. All right. So uh, I want to I, I want to talk about you and me and our take on the movie. Sure. Um, and first, I want to throw this over to you. So we chatted about this when we t- when we did Dear Zachary and said, "What is it? What is it to look at a documentary with Pantheon status?" Right. Yeah. And there's some things that you need to rethink when you look at a documentary. Because so yeah. 
you know, in a regular story, you're being pulled into some imaginary world, or you're being pulled into someone's. Even if they're, even if it's like a Saving Private Ryan or something that's a that's a that's a close to historical drama, right? Uh, not not literally a, a documentary. Um, you're being pulled into some artificial world, and in and in a movie like um, Dear Zachary, you're being pulled into a real world that really happened, at least from one person's perspective. Yeah. So like it changed the way that we had to like yeah. look at Pantheon for documentaries because right. the cinematography is going di- to be different. The acting, different. The, like there act, is almost there is, no acting. Yeah. So here's the question: Is that what does it mean for a rock opera? To get Pantheon status. And honestly, I don't think there's that many differences. I really don't. I, uh, You know, it's already, you know, if it's a good album to start with, it's going to win on the on the soundtrack. It's yeah. Gonna, it's going to make it on soundtrack. But the rest of the movie should, in my opinion, still hit all the same points that any Pantheon movie would hit. At least, that's how I see it. Yeah, so, yeah, uh, so the list that we've chatted about before in terms of categories, right, mm. is um, walking down the list: acting, directing, cinematography, screenplay, special effects. Yeah, that it has to hit on all of those. Right, right, right. Um, I, I gotta say, on the wall, cinematography from from a from a uh, a visual um, experience point of view it's an amazing experience yeah. to go through it you you can't say it's a horrible experience yeah. it's an amazing experience but you're going through somebody's psychotic freaking experience yeah. and and their memories and so it should be that but but as far as acting's concerned we'll we'll, we'll yeah hold, hold that thought we'll get to that in a right. second uh brad uh had given us some questions before um brad Brad, the guy who runs this whole thing. Oh, the AV guy. AV oh, guy. Oh, yeah, Brad, Brad, yeah, Brad, 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 Brad. Yeah, okay, Brad. You know April, Brad. April's husband, Brad. Yeah, April's husband, Brad. I got it. You know the guy. I do. He gave me some questions because he just can't stay out of the, our conversation. You know what? Let's let's invite. You know, yeah. let's let's hear his question. So he asked. He asked, "Can you like? Uh, can you like the movie and not the band?" Or vice, or and or, vice, or the the album, the album, or vice versa, or vice versa, like like, and I, and I think honestly, uh, anybody could say yes, especially if the album was not made specifically for the movie. For example, I'll give you two examples: Purple Rain. The album was the soundtrack of the movie. They made the movie and the album together. Prince did them as one project. It was intentional. They were released together. They are one. Um, the Batman soundtrack. Again, a Prince example, but just set that aside for now. You like Prince. I I do like yeah. Prince, but I'm just picking it as an example. No, I know, but those I movies just, are completely to say different. For everyone, let's be honest. For like all dozens of our listeners, that you like Prince. I do so. very, very much. Yeah. I did. I actually grieved for him for six days. So anyway, Prince uh, in Batman on the Batman soundtrack, the individual songs were written for a movie that Prince wasn't involved in. Yeah. But those songs were written for the movie, and then there were songs that weren't picked from what he wrote for the movie. The point is, those were written for the movie. That is not the case here. The songs were written for an album that was released at least three years before the movie. 1979 is when it was released, and, 19, and then 1982. Which means, which means they were writing and recording these songs in 1976, 77, yeah. 78, eventually 79. And yes, the songs may have inspired the movie and the storyline of the movie, but I don't personally believe that the songs and the movie were one thing. And I get a different experience listening to the album 
than I do watching a movie. So I think obviously you can. You can separate them out. Like a movie, not like the soundtrack, or love the soundtrack, not particularly like the movie. I came in blank, uh, to be honest. Like well, you didn't grow up listening to. This I didn't album. grow up listening. So I'm I'm born in '75. Um, like this came out 1875. Yeah, 1875, way back in the day. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, post-Civil War. Post-Civil War, like, antebellum South. Right. Or, yeah. yeah no, well, but, but in Chicago. Yeah, but so in Chicago. Antebellum Chicago. Antebellum Chicago. Right. You know how it oh, is. Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah. Uh, but I did, like, so I'm familiar with some of the songs radio play. Sure. Hey You, which is not in the movie. The radio you know, like, edits of The radio of well, edits of it. Because they're shorter. The one version of The Wall. The Wall. Not the three Which is only show part up. two. Yeah. Um, and Comfortably Numb. Comfortably Numb. At least one of the versions of whichever. And then the other, there's a fourth yeah. one. There's uh, a fourth one that you're familiar with. In any case, uh, I knew the radio, like, I've heard stuff on the radio. Right. But I didn't come in as a fan. Right, gotcha. Uh, and, and to be honest, I didn't come, I came in not as a fan. Like, it's not that I don't like them, it's just like. I could take or leave Pink Floyd. They don't mean anything to me. It was just some songs that Me- you remember. Metallica. Like, different. Get out of my way. Yeah, right? different experience, right? But, but Pink Floyd wasn't my thing. Right. Uh, other people have that for Zeppelin or sure. whatever. Prince. Um, yeah. So, so, so for me watching the movie, it was not about it. Like my experience didn't come in from watching the the liking the album first. Right. That's right. Yeah, and you I were did. you were saying you were saying that for you, like, because I had said to you earlier this week, I said like you grew up listening to it, and you said that's not a that's not actually correct. It wasn't my music; it was my brother's music. Yeah, it was it was someone else's music that I then recorded and spent a bunch of time listening to when I was in a specific mood. Yeah, which was a depressed, lonely mood. Yeah, you know that that, and so my young my youthful memories of this music i like the music and i remember liking it but it wasn't of good times in my life i didn't you know what i'm saying i wouldn't listen to this music yeah. for fun with some friends and, and for me nor was this and, and i don't know i can't speak for anybody else mm. but i i can guess that for some people this music was their shaman through a drug experience Maybe. or orientation into Maybe. trying out drugs and that sort of stuff yeah that, that wasn't part of my life i mean i hung out with some drug some people who did drugs in mm-hmm. high school uh mm-hmm. and even in college but it wasn't my scene right so uh, it was for not the, my scene either for them for them like they had music right. that guided them through this transformative time right with drugs and that wasn't that that also wasn't my thing so if I listened to Pink Floyd, it was always by myself, in my headset, with my Walkman, in my car when I was alone. If I was around someone else, I would never put <laughs> on the, the Victrola, album on. on the Victrola. On the gramophone. The, and that was the one that I had to wind up <laughs> yeah. every song. Yeah, you had the mule winding Stupid. it up for you out there. I, had, I no. did have a monkey. Yeah. All right, so here's the other question. Uh, we kid, but here's the other question uh, that, that Brad wanted to ch- us to chat about. What makes a pretentious movie? Now we heard that we heard that word pretentious in, in one of, one of the reviews, yep. um, and certainly somebody watching this might think pretentious mm. uh, because it, it is clearly an artistic expression. It is an artistic expression of someone's experience, as far as I as far as I'm concerned. What would you say is what would you say would make a pretentious movie? I think a pretentious movie is one that thinks it's more important than it is that feels like it can express its ideas or try to maybe take the viewer on a on a journey 
in a way uh, where they actually don't think the viewer's really going to follow them. Yeah, and and regardless of my personal politics on it, mm-hmm. a, a movie like um, uh, The uh, Inconvenient Truth or something like that, okay. somebody might say, that's pretentious. Yeah. Because... They are like that might be yeah. a, that might be a claim. The movie starts it, out regardless by saying of you my, don't understand what we're yeah, talking about. Yeah, yeah, to like that might be a that might be a criticism of a movie like that is that because the movie because that experience is taking the point of view that the listener or the audience doesn't understand. Yeah, they don't start from a position of understanding. They're not they're not preaching to the choir. They're trying to adopt people. Or at least inform people of something they're not really capable of following. Alternatively, I guess, uh, uh, like pretentiousness might come from somebody who is so wrapped into their artistic experience that they're like, nobody could understand. Yeah, I agree with that. Like, nobody at all. Um, so, uh, yeah. Uh, any any other further thoughts on that? I don't. Okay. Um Let's chat about some big thoughts now. So, Mr. Mack, uh, what are any overarching observations or insights that you had about the film? So, you know, a couple of things that are not just my thoughts, but that I've read as well, are that once Pink goes completely over the edge, there's a very, very long segment that deals with what appears on the surface to be racist Nazi overtones, anti-Semitic, anti-black, anti-gender uh, 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 anti role, whatever you want to call them, yeah. um, themes. And uh, I, I think that that's an important thing that we touch on at some point because it was a charge against the movie even in the 80s that it had those scenes in it and that Pink Floyd did spend some time, the members of Pink Floyd did spend a bunch of time addressing, defending and talking about yeah we you and i watched this together yeah and that during that segment of the movie mm-hmm. i said can you pause this for a second <laughs> there are some things we need to unpack we need to unpack yeah right? yeah like why does this feel like a nazi propaganda film at this point in time yeah. is it or are they making choices to say they're sticking their finger in the eye. Yeah, it was like a real hard right turn, and then it was. But but then, but yeah. But it, if you think about the choices of what they were trying to do, and I'm not defending their choices, I'm saying if you think about their choices, they were talking about where he, Pinky, where he was in his madness of how the whole world operated against him, and he was just like, you know, I'm just going to join the group, I guess. Yeah. Uh, for me, like uh, overarching observations or insights, the um, I just didn't know how to connect with this movie. Like it, I I I, I didn't have that sort of like uh, descent into madness. I didn't have that drug culture world. I didn't have the connection to World War Two or right. trauma or personal lo- like. Like, I came from a pretty bland family life, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, none of it connected with me, and on top of it, the music didn't do anything for me. Like, it it wasn't, it wasn't, it had no nostalgia, but also on top of that, it, it didn't really do, it didn't move me. Right. So, like, I just didn't know how to get into the movie. Yeah. And there was, 
I appreciated a lot of the things that happened, like the artwork, cool. Right. Like, it. Are there things that express madness? You bet. Was are there, there it, things that express his jealousy of his wife and whoever it was that she yeah. clearly was with while he was on tour? Yeah, the the vagina flowers and all this kind of stuff. This was him imagining, in a way, what was happening back home with his wife. Now they're separated, obviously, but... You know, he was he was going through a and the, lot. The one scene of him trying to like after having smashed the hotel of trying to organize things. That was a probably the one moment I was, I was gonna say that was one moment that you could connect to. Yeah, well and because and go ahead and explain why. Well, you have a And a for the listeners need. Mr. Mac and I are very close friends. Yeah, we've so known each other chat, a long yeah. time. Diamond Doug has a compulsive need to make organization out of disorganization and in fact it's one of my favorite pastimes to reach across the table if we're hanging out having a beer and just kind of disorganize the silverware and the napkin and the stuff in front of him and then watch him turn it back into an organized uh, pattern so i thought in watching in re-watching that scene that this was something that he would get a firm grip on okay i get why he's trying to make order out of madness because it was literally the flotsam and jetsam that came out of his madness yep. that made this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was the one part of the scene I was like, oh, yeah. No, I get that. Like, it's not, that's not my madness, but I understand that. I madness. understand that madness, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, for me, uh, one of my big other big thoughts is that uh, somebody had posted, I think even Nathan Plantiga had posted a link to the live show of The Wall. Did mm. you happen to watch? I uh, didn't. I did. And I thought, to be honest, that was better than the movie. It was more of a laser show, like a concert. Yeah, like they, they built a wall and then they projected things on the movie. And yeah. it was, if I was there, it would have been immersive. Like, yeah. like it, it, it would have been like holistic and immersive and gestalt. Right. And I think that was the point of what the movie, they were trying to get with the right, movie. Right. right. But, it would, but the movie, I'm watching it on a... I, like today, I'm watching it on a TV screen, not right. on a giant screen, yeah. not with a whole bunch of other people. Mm-hmm. Um, but it would have been more gestalt, uh, for sure. So, standout moments for you. Uh, uh, for me, uh, 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 I had that WTF moment with the skinheads showing up. Right. Who actually, I read about, were actual skinheads. Yes, they did actually have actual skinheads that showed up and marched around and did stuff. Yeah, and like they were they were putting hammers in their hair, uh, like like getting hammer tattoos on their head yeah. and that sort of stuff. And the band was like, how do we deal with this? Because we're trying to say Nazism and, and, uh, and this like dictatorship, fascism, whatever is bad. If we take a step back, Pink's yeah. experience, just to, just for the people who haven't seen the movie yet, Pink's experience is as a child, his father went off to the war and was killed in World War II by the Germans. So he grows up a Brit who is clearly not happy with what happened in World War II from, with the Nazis. And then in his insanity as an adult slides into a variation of the Nazi culture, the skinhead, definitely skinhead culture, 
but the Nazi culture, but instead of a swastika, it's crossed hammers, but you still have the black jackbooted march and the skinheads walking through the street, randomly raping yeah. and pillaging and destroying things in order to impose their will. And as a philosophy, and, I, and I've heard people chat about this in many different w- ways and places, is that deep down dictatorships, auto- like auto- like these autocracies, uh, fascist dictatorships and whatnot, are expressions of fear. Right, like so, which is exactly where so Pink was. The character, yeah, was was in this moment just swimming in fear that the yeah. world was 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 Against breaking him. around him, mm-hmm. killing his dad, killing his dad, uh, taking away his marriage, taking away his marriage, and his sanity, his sanity, the his friendships, everything. Yeah. Right. Yes. Um. So like so, using this metaphor of the hammer, the dual hammer. Thing that shows up, mm-hmm. uh, the hammers is, being the tool of the worker. Yeah, and, and also the it's an expression. Of, it's a Nazi symbol. Uh, I do believe so. Like like I read somewhere. Regardless, regardless of all that, um, one of the things if somebody's watching it today, and this is again regardless of any personal politics at all, setting that aside. Setting that aside is that they're like and I and one when we were watching the movie and we paused this and I said there's a lot to unpack here, uh, my friend, and I said to you here's a couple of things and just let me just let me express. Mm-hmm. Uh, one is that I could see how. Some people watching this film today would, uh, because of their political persuasion, it's about a wall, and the wall is bad, and that there's these dictator fascist images and all that, Mm -hmm. that they will automatically make a connection to Trump and the wall that he's having, and that they'll they'll watch this film and say, see, he's bad. Right. Uh, Which is obviously a huge jump in that this movie was made literally 35, 37 years ago. Yeah, and the wall, the wall, the wall can, the wall can uh, express a number of things. His personal madness and disconnection with the world. It can also, on on a larger level, talk about how society wants to to um, create like. It's citizens uh, and into compartments and uh, like standardization and that sort of stuff. But I was saying to you is that clearly some people will watch this and make the direct connection. They will. Uh, They will. Which is Um, which actually is okay because when you watch an uh, an older movie, I mean, even you watch uh, Star Wars: A New Hope, Episode Four, you're going to make connections between what you see there and your current experience. Yeah. Even though there's such a huge, almost it's going to be fifty years. Yeah, um, 40, 40 plus years, almost fifty years now. Difference between the two, um, you're going to make those connections because we filter things through our experience. Yeah, and and um, uh, the the band's current politics, or at least Roger Waters' current politics, is going to be one that in current day yeah. would be kind of this anti-authoritarian bent for yeah. sure. And Bob Geldorf, um, the main star, his politics are clearly on that side. So I mean. Yeah, so the people involved in this project were not skinhead, racist, Nazi. Yeah, despite the controversy despite. of it, despite the things that Pink Floyd themselves had to like distance them, yeah. themselves from, that they weren't there to like promote Nazi propaganda for sure. No, this was this was an expression of his experience through his madness. So at least that's what I believe, and and from what I've read, but it's also my experience from when I first 
watched the movie back in the 80s. I didn't yeah. think, oh, these guys are Nazis. So, um, I mean, I'm just saying that the, I'm not defending them and I'm not defending any political point of view, right, left, or otherwise. Yeah. I'm only saying that's not what this is about. Yeah. Uh, the uh, All that said... Some like the the connection will be made mm-hmm. by some people as they watch it. Sure, and I'm just expressing that, and they can't. I'm, help I'm it. staying apolitical on the uh, sure. on the point. Yeah, but just to say that is something that people will make the connection absolutely one will. way or the other. They will. Um, the uh, here's a just a random question: Do you need to be on drugs to like this movie? So, it's interesting. Um, I had posted that on Facebook. I said, oh. "Hey, uh, we're watching this movie." Uh, what sort of drugs do I need to be on? Suggestions are welcome. By hold the on, way... Hold on, let's rephrase. You said Gary and I are watching this movie. Yeah. What kind of drugs should we be on to yeah. watch it? And, and my my thought initially of reading that was, wait a second, I'm not on drugs. Yeah. But on the other hand, huh, was I ever on drugs watching this movie, you know, back in the day? And the answer is, no. Yeah. I never was. And that's from the first time I saw it to... As far as I know, yeah. every single time. Which, uh, tonight, to celebrate this, and I thank you for bringing this nice Tupperware container full of drugs. Full uh, Somebody of said we should drugs. have acid, so you baked some acid I for did us bake tonight. Fresh baked acid. And if and you can't smell it here, but is that almond? Almond. And a little bit of the, I think they call them the Ludies. Wow. The Ludes, the Ludes, that the is Luders, so nice. The Lude down, the Downers. They are really beautiful. They are nice. And holy, wait. Wait. You are spoiling me, sir. Yes, sir. Did you add black tar heroin to uh, this? You know, like truffles. So you just seen the movie it over to the top where he's like leaning over the piano and he has a big wad of uh, of drugs. Yeah, of the drug. I the didn't drugs. know what that was. This and he was how one hip I am. I was like, he why was, does he have like a hockey puck of manure right there? It's melting. You're it. Like Doug, that's black tar heroin. <laughs> <laughs> he was melting it into a little pile so that he could inject it later. So the one thing is, this movie doesn't show him directly taking drugs, with the exception of when he was so far out of it in the hotel room. And the, they the, shot him they with shot the wakey uppy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Other than that, there's no other. As far as I recall, there's no other direct drug references except that it was clearly. A bad drug. All right. <laughs> For those listening, I am joshing. There is no Tupperware container no. of deliciously baked acid. No, For it's, us in, a, it's in a mason jar. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, uh, breakdown of the categories. We've got acting, directing, cinematography, screenplay, and special effects. Acting. Go. There wasn't a lot of acting in this movie. Let's be honest. The kids actually did more acting in this movie than the adults. Uh, I think Young Pink acted more than Grown Up Pink, who was basically just drugged out. Grown Up Pink time. had two two ways of acting. Drugged Loved. out or racist Nazi leader yeah, of a, of a concert. Yeah, that's it. And by the way, Bob... There was Bob middle, Bob, middle ground of him trashing the that's hotel true, room. But yeah. he was drugged out. Bob Geldof, bless your soul. Love all the work you're doing. But dude, there I'm just sure, wasn't that much Yeah, I'm sure going. he's listening, so... Well, if he is... Yeah. Uh, he might be. I don't my know. My email if address... He is, I can be reached at Gary McFall on the lo- Facebooks yeah. or here at Adventures in Videoland. But otherwise, they're just... You know, the thing is, there wasn't that much acting because they were sucking you through this crazy yeah. environment. So I, I don't know I, what acting... I'd, I'd agree that, like, uh, that 
I wouldn't go. Like, we talked about Boogie Nights uh, last time, a, and there was a, was a heck of a lot of good acting, acting good Burt Reynolds and all that. This this yeah. time around, they didn't have anything to work with because there was no dialogue. Not really, no. So like screenplay is a there thing. was literally scenes full of dialogue that you couldn't hear because you got the you totally got what was happening in the scene, but you didn't need to hear the words they said because the music overlaying it and the emotions were already there. So yeah, what acting do you need? Really? Directing, what do you say on that? I'm torn back and forth. I think there were parts of the movie that were assembled very well, and I think there were parts of the movie that it took me two, three watchings to figure out what in the holy heck this guy was trying yeah, to do. Yeah, they made like hard turns they a did. lot of the time and in again, the movie. You could say that was because that's the experience that Pink had as he went through it. But I'm just I'm just not really down. And you even gave the review. The director himself, Alan Parker, did not actually say this was a great movie. No, it was like a student film. And a I think that film. some of that comes in the editing of the film. Like well, they yeah, used the they use the cartoon, which I think the cartoon stuff is really cool. And the, like I, the best part of the movie for me was the cartoon stuff. And in the live show, they 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 run that they full yeah. uh, end scene with the the judge talking out, out of his, his butt, butt and everything. They run that. That's the coolest he has scene. Probably. Ana Denta. Yeah, Ana Denta. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh the, my gosh. A, that's a serious medical condition. If oh, you have that. Wow. Take care of that. I've heard the other one, but I've never um, heard of Ana Denta. Yeah, that. so like directorial choices, mm. like it was kind of like blah. Yeah. For me, overall, like that. Again, student, like his his own discussion. Was yeah, own like a student, student film. film yeah. Any way that they had shot it, it was kind of like a mm. student film. I yeah. think that maybe some of the parts that were maybe a little more elevated were uh, so, the racist skinhead part was kind of like maybe interesting looking. You know, it's a good argument. It's a good point, really, because I think that the racist skinhead elements were probably shot better. But I think a lot of the other stuff was so chopped up from what he originally shot. Yeah, and some of the scenes that he shot would have been shown four times like the kid in the bed the yeah. the kid the kid uh, with the rat the kid with his mom the kid those oh, things I, were just shown again I, and again when and we again. were watching that there was a one scene where like a, a skeleton shows up in bed with mom no, and i was like who is not, that like, not even a skeleton a rotted corpse yeah no and i was like i don't who is that and yeah. you were like i think that's, that's his, his dad, dad. Yeah. i was like really i don't i didn't get yeah, that yeah he's imagining his dad so yeah that's and that's the way i got it was he's imagining right. his dead dad cinematography film and locations we were uh, sort of getting into that i think cinematography wise I, i'm okay i'm actually good with cinematography i think that the choices they made in the the way that they said it, you know, the the different scenes that were the, whether it was a school or the train track or the the concerts, I'm okay with all those, and I'll include the animation because I'm actually kind of a fan of the animation, even though it was weird. I'm a fan of it, but uh, but I, I think cinematography it did very well. Screenplay, and for this, the interplay with the music. Uh, like how well did it, the screenplay? How was, well did they interplay with the music? I felt like the screenplay was just completely drawn along by the album. Yeah, like they had no choice; it had to go this way. So you know what screenplay? I, I hate to say what screenplay, but what screenplay? All right, let me ask you this: Is the uh, and we paused on this and played it back a couple times? Yeah, the ending. Yeah. With the Molotov cocktail. Yeah, the and kid. The kid, the kid like, so the what? wall gets blown up and the kids are, just for those of you that uh, haven't seen it yet, but you're going to see it or maybe you already watched it, just to remind you, the wall gets blown up. You know, he goes to get whatever it is, but you, you could say he goes completely crazy and gets therapy or just he dies. Whatever. Then you flash back the to... The wall blows to, up. Then you flash back to, to 19... A, 
40-something. Uh, Britain that London is Blitzkrieg. destroyed. The, the, the bombings. There's a, there's a truck that's flipped over. There's a milk truck that has been blown up in the street. And people are picking stuff up. And there's little kids picking up bricks and, uh, and loading them up to haul them off. And there's one little kid that's picking up milk bottles. And a second kid picks up a bottle. But it's not full of milk. It's clearly a Molotov cocktail. He even still has a rag stuck in the he top. He smells it. He's, He's like, it smells it, makes a blood, and pours the liquid out. It's and like then as the one scene in the movie where they're making a statement. And as he's pouring it out, freeze frame. Yeah. Credits. Credits. Share plays. Do, Do you believe in love after love? After I know love? it's it's crazy. No, it's the only share song in the wait. No, no, that's not in the movie. That's that not there. is sorry. That's a that's a joke for <laughs> just me. Right no, 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 there. no. no. The, but it, the but, it was, right but, but it but it might as well have been because it yeah. was so out of place. It, and it was jarring, like a lot of the movie. But the reality is that the uh, that was the end. And, and in my opinion, it's almost the only direct statement they made. You pointed out it was the kid th- dumping out Violence. the bomb. He was, yeah, violence. He was literally saying, no more violence by dumping the Molotov cocktail. I don't even know how he would have got that message, but it's what I got. It's what you got out of it. Weird. It was odd. And then that was it. That was the whole movie. Yeah, it was like, no, we're done. I I watched through all of the credits (laughs) expecting (laughs) to see, like, you know, outtakes or something, but there was nothing. We got to the end and we were joking about it. It was like, no, no, that was perfect. Cut. We're done. Cut. We're done. You're like really? Yeah. Yeah. You're like no. no. We're done. Uh, special effects. So this would be mostly that was the animation. Animation, but then they had other things like wearing the ham faces, or or when he's in the scene uh, post hotel on the way to the concert, covered in what looked like a oh. decayed flesh. And he and starts he, ripping that off. He peels it off. That was very 1970s, early 80s type special effect. But once he got it all the way off. He was completely dry and clean underneath in his perfect little pseudo-Nazi uniform. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Yeah. 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 It seemed a little ham-fisted to me. So, But uh, the animation, as far as special effects, as I said earlier, I'm actually pretty good with the animation. All right. Good stuff. Pointed question. Yeah. We had said what makes a film pretentious. Right. Do you think this film is pretentious? I actually don't think the film is pretentious. Uh, I don't think that they made it with the in, with that mindset, uh, which would you know you would have to say it was pretentious. I could see why people think the film is pretentious, but I don't think it's pretentious. I think they just made a film that follows the songs they wrote in the album, and and I I could see why some people might think it's pretentious. I've seen pretentious. He means, yeah, he means, <laughs> he does. Uh, I don't myself. Yeah. Uh, I've seen pretentious stuff. Yes. Uh, we have watched pretentious movies. We've together. watched pretentious stuff. Yeah. Um, and then said, what was that? Yeah. I, yeah. Um, that for me, this was, uh, this was kind of like a passion project. Yeah, I'll go with that. Born out of the band, but I don't think that they were, for me, like, 
like the pretentiousness comes when somebody is like, you don't understand, man. And you're not going to understand. You're not going to understand because yeah. you're too dumb. You haven't gone through what I've gone through. Yeah. So, you know, <sighs> the, the fact that the film follows the songs and the songs weren't even all written by the same person, there is a there is a part in the credits that every time I see it, 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 it makes my teeth kind of grind. And it's like all songs written by uh, Waters except... These two songs, which were written by uh, yeah the others, the other, yeah writer yeah whoever no the other band member but but I was just I, and I don't remember the names and I apologize in advance but but the reality is every time I see that I think well why didn't you just say these songs written by yeah you know uh, but all songs written by well except uh, that felt a little every time I see that in the credits I think jeez but um, but again you know we're talking about creative people. So one of the things see the world yeah. from their own perspective. One of the things that struck me about this whole experience of like prepping to yeah. talk about this right. is that they were falling completely apart as a band. They were uh, at this point. They were like they're completely dysfunctional. That they would go on shows during this. The only one of them made money the whole time from it. <laughs> that they would put their trailers parked away from the the entrances like. Uh, like in a ring with their ed- exit, uh, like doors away from each other, so they didn't have to see, see each, each other. other. Yeah, and the band was just kind of falling apart. And now, even that live show was just Waters, right? And company, like right. it was not Pink Floyd, right? Uh, so now, now, in the re-release of this movie, uh, much like in the release of Bohemian Rhapsody with Queen, Waters is very protective. Of the other band members and the way that they are seen. Yeah, yeah, and there's an interesting do- documentary that talks yeah, about this, that's right. and they they try to be very careful about all they're that. Very stuff. careful about it. They're not just like saying, "Oh yeah, this person was this and this person was yeah. that." Yeah, yeah. They're protecting the image of the band from that time period, sure. as I said, much like much like the members of Queen did. But 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 the reality is, in that time period, they weren't they were not they were a very dysfunctional family. So all right. Changing gears here to voting time. Right. So we've chatted about our take on the movie. Now we're going to chat about voting itself. Okay. About what the council thinks and then about what we think. Um, so Nathan himself, who wrote this up, I don't know him personally, uh, but from his write-up is that uh, that he, he wrote about uh, I was a pretentious and painfully auth- awkward teenage goth, um, and I was acquainted with the mo- with the, the, album, the album, and then somebody played this movie, and we watched it in some basement somewhere, and then he was just enamored by it, and okay. like, it, it just, this was the cat's meow. Like, he was in his pretentious goth phase. At that moment in this your life, was, there you go. This was, this was, you know, mother's milk. Right, right. Uh, and... He says in here, I don't think it's going to get Pantheon, but I want everyone to watch it. So it's almost as much of a passion project for him as the person who was making the film itself, right? Right, yeah. Um, For you, do you have any films or movies that you would say that, like, um, that you love so much, but you're not sure that they would really stand up? Uh, over, oh, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like way back, I'm like movies from your childhood, from childhood, or you're like a movie you saw when you were 16, 15 or sixteen. No, no, there's and a, you're like, what? Yeah, there's so. For example, the first time, I'm sorry, the first twenty times 
that I watched Highlander. You know, this just spoke to me. It was, you know, it had this great soundtrack and it had an awesome theme and it was, you know, it really moved me and I loved the characters. And then as an adult, I tried to get my kids to watch it and their reaction was, and their reaction was, meh. Right? And I, yeah. and I was baffled by that. So, you know, Highlander is one example. Now, do I think it would ever, if somebody nominated it, would ever get Pantheon? Probably not. The acting wasn't that great. The story's wonderful. The soundtrack's fantastic. But, you know, whatever. And then I think they ruined it by running in the ground with like nine or 12 sequels or whatever they did. But, um, but you know, that's an example. Yeah. I'm trying to think of like something that I would have watched when I was younger and. And it and it like so way back, way back, the movie Dolls. Okay, Dolls, Dolls. It's called Dolls. It's a horror film. Okay. Oh yeah, Dolls. Sure. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And I watched it when I was really young, way too young to have been watching it, but it was it horrified me, right? The movie horrified me. Yes. And. And uh, it, it it tempered my understanding, like it, like it changed me okay. in terms of like of what horror was and stuff. Yeah. And I went back and watched it, and I was like, Meh. yeah. Now, when I was eighteen, maybe was when uh, the Evil Dead came out, and when I first watched it, it completely changed my viewpoint on the horror genre. It was the first horror movie that I watched that scared me while watching it. And that when I would experience, like, looking down a stairwell, even, not even to a basement, I would flash back to that feeling of seeing the witch sitting down there rocking at the bottom of the steps. Yeah. For those of you that have seen that movie. Anyway, uh, but watching it again as an, as an adult, and I just watched it less than a year ago, I felt the same way. Yeah, so there are some movies that, like, stay that way. That stay that way. But, and it wasn't a flashback. No, it still scared me. More so than even the sequels of it. But it may not translate to anybody else. No, it might not. Like, for me, I watched 12 Monkeys. I don't know if anybody else really would would care about I've put that on my top 10 list. I Because after movie. I watched that movie, like, I was thunderstruck. I love that movie. Uh, because, like, I like it, it, it drew into, like, my... So my personal upbringing that had some sort of, like, this uh, Calvinistic uh, Dutch Reformed bent uh, yeah. of me growing up, that it tapped into this kind of predeterminism. Right. Uh, there's it, very it, little you can do to change the future. Yeah, like... And, and oh, it was you like, can change the path, but the destination yeah, like, the same. Yeah, like, the whole movie didn't matter, because it was like, what? And I was like, what? Right, right. Um, I don't know if anybody else would care, but it doesn't really matter to me. Like, and I would make other people watch it. Right. But I can't force them to like it. Uh, so that's that's Nathan. He obviously says yes because he loves it. It's his nominated. movie. He nominated it. He's got reasons. Sure. Uh, guest voter Jesse posted. So we already know what he's going to say. And, and he his said, vote was? He said no. Uh, it didn't speak to me. It frustrated me. It vexed me. I couldn't digest it and all that sort of stuff. Uh, however, if you're a fan of Pink Floyd, you should definitely watch the uh, this album made reality. If you want to watch this giant music video, <laughs> watch this. If you just want to watch a movie, maybe pick something else, he says. Uh, so uh, I went through the list. I was like, all right, who did... I don't know these I don't know these people personally on the council. We know a couple of them. We know a couple. Uh, we know Brad. 
Yeah. Uh, our overlord. So what, it's actually one of the reasons why I love our conversations about this is because we're not as tight with all of the members of the yeah, council. Yeah, we're on the outside. We're a little bit on the outside. So like many of our listeners who also don't know the members of the council personally, we may very well have the same point of view. Yeah, so uh, Nathan says yes. So that's a vote, yes. Brad says no. This is my guess. Brad says no just yeah. because, uh, one, he's pissed that it was hard to find the movie. And two, that Fair it just enough. doesn't like it doesn't fit in with his idea of pretentiousness. So. I, I would assume that the pretentiousness and the the maybe even the Nazi factor would be a little much for Brad to to say yeah. Uh, question. So Ryan Smith, he 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 nominated Boogie Nights yeah. last time around. I don't know if he likes Pink Floyd or not. How old uh, is he? Uh, he's about forty something. So this, I looked at. This I, may I, very well. I'm just gonna. I'm gonna him. admit. I stalked him on Facebook and I looked and I was like, "What music does he like?" And it was like Wait. FF Five, Tiger City, Chromio, Andrew Hyatt, Mister B, the Gentle Rhymer. Hold on, um, hold on. You said you stalked Brian, him on Facebook. I thought you said we were supposed to just stalk him in general. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh gosh, I did that wrong. Sorry. He's sorry, got sorry. odd tastes in music, so I don't know which way he goes. Uh, I I don't know. Do you have a, a sense on would he would say yes or no? I put him in the fifty fifty category. Fifty fifty. Um, Jeremy Clifford he did nominate Dear Zachary, which was outside of the box, but he said no to Boogie nah, Nights. I would, say, I would say he'll say no. To so that. he right. says no. Matthew Wade said no to Boogie Nights. Let me ask you this: Has there and ever Marshall been no, in Marshall, all of the history a movie that only got one yes vote? Do you think that's a thing? I don't know. I wonder if, like, if we were to ask Brad if there was a movie no. that only got one yes vote, this might be the first movie so, to so, only get one yes so, vote. So Matthew and Marshall both said no to Boogie Nights, so I just say, that, so Nate, say no to this. Rachel is married to Nathan, I'm guessing, because of last name similarity. But that doesn't necessarily mean she's going yeah, to Yeah, but way. she... she Did she know, vote his way on Boogie Nights? So uh, sh- that... She, she gets bored easily. That's what I read. I would but say she's, she's also a, his wife. I would say she's a no. She's a beleaguered yes for me. Mm. Like, she's going to say yes because she has to. Well, so actually, uh, because the, she's the, connected the, to Nathan. The beleaguered yes should have been the man's guest vote, let's be honest. And his it guest sh- vote said no. It should have, but he didn't play the game. This key. may be the very first nomination that only gets one yes vote from the council. He doesn't. He, so, so Jesse says that. So, um,. Cousin Wayne seems to say yes to a lot of things. Really? I don't know. That's my opinion is that he, he said yes to Boogie Nights. But Boogie uh, Nights was a good movie. So but Boogie Nights was a good movie. <laughs> are, a you show, for that. are you showing your cards right now? <laughs> no, I'm just saying Boogie Nights was a good well, movie. Well, here, I'll show my cards. Is the I would say no to this. To this movie? But Kyle Brown what? says everything opposite of me, so I'm going to say he's going to say yes. I think Kyle Brown's going to say no. So here's Is my this prediction. the one time that Kyle and I will agree you, on anything? You, not only will you and Kyle agree, Nathan's wife is going to disagree, and this may be the very first Pantheon movie to ever only get one yes. I say... Now, by the way, I still appreciate the nomination, and I loved going back, re-watching it, thinking about it, watching it. I, I enjoyed the All experience, right. but I, I was... You're going to... You, like, you may not like this, but I'll say that it could get five votes, but with a plus or minus two. So, uh, a range of three to seven. I think it might 
So like get a yes. On on the weirdest day of the year, this might get in. On the weird no no hold I'm on, not, hold on I'm, a second. I'm not saying it's like, going. No 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 no. I'm not like, saying like, it's going to get in. I'm just saying on the weird random even numbered year of the whole universe calendar where like craziness happens and something that should never be finished with a yes finishes with a yes that this might be the second time in two and a half years of this yeah this is the on the weirdest day of the year this would get in i think however is no more than two yeses and possibly only one and i'm saying uh that five possible wow five possible i got you probably three okay fair enough so I don't think it's going to get in. If you say three plus or minus two, no, you're saying five plus or minus two. I'm, I'm saying five is the like with with the things that we don't know about other people. Yeah, I don't right. know it's, Ryan. I, I don't agree. Know, like, I don't yeah. know them. So but. like like being a very conservative guest, uh, 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 with a very conservative guess, mm-hmm. five is my very conservative guess. Yeah. So five five is my most conservative. I don't think it's going to get in. No, and I yeah, I don't think it's going to get five either, but that's all right. Yeah. Uh, th- three. Which is front. interesting yeah. that Boogie Nights got closer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, you, think, I think Boogie Nights is actually a better movie. Yeah, Boogie Nights. Uh, Boogie Nights, I was right on the edge. And, and not only do I think Boogie Nights is a better movie, I think these are both good movies. I will watch The Wall again. I didn't watch it once, oh, actually twice in the last week, and then just decide I'm never going to watch it again. I will watch it again in the future, but I will probably have the same experience I just had. And I'm going to tell you this, and... You're um, never going to watch it again. I'm never going to watch The Wall again on purpose. On purpose. <laughs> I'm going to sneak it into one of our evenings, and we'll go with that. Yeah. Um, We're going to be at the cabin, and I'm going to say, guess what's on? I'm willing to watch parts of it, uh, but... Like for me, just the whole thing just didn't do anything for me. I so gotcha. uh, I would say no. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go to the Facebook poll right now. And I and, just did. And put my. Uh, and by the way, just full disclosure, I inadvertently hit yes, and then need to rewatch, and then no before I actually got it correct. Oh, so you you put no? Did you say no? I did say no. So I said no. So currently it's at 27 votes yes. Uh-huh. You and me are against the Facebook poll. We are. And I understand that. But the, we, we've already... I think we've just spent the last hour talking about our reasons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, there are 15 people who said they haven't seen it. Seven people who said they need to rewatch. There was a number of people who've watched this recently and said, uh, I'm changing my vote to no. So Because yeah, they were remembering the album. Yeah, yeah. So I'm guessing. I'm guessing. Um, all right, let's uh, let's bring this in to the end here right. with uh, with our closing final thoughts. Final thoughts. Any final thoughts before we close? I, just, I started this a second ago, but I just want to finish my thought on this one. I love most of the music from this album, and I did enjoy large parts of watching this movie and. Experiencing it with you because you hadn't seen it, nor had you really experienced the music before. Yeah. However, you did sing through the whole thing. I too. literally sang almost every lyric of every song, uh, and that's because I like the music. As I said, the album for me speaks to me. Yeah. But as I sang these lyrics 
And as I went through the music again, it just takes me back to a time in my life where I was not the healthiest, happiest person I could be. And so this is one of the things about the movie that that is a negative for me, is that this movie, unlike what I think Pantheon should do, it doesn't uplift me or make me want to be a part of the story. It makes me want the story to be over. Yeah, and uh, for me... Uh, kind of final concluding thoughts is that while I appreciate the concept of expanding Mm -hmm. a notion of what Pantheon is, uh, expanding it to documentaries, expanding it to rock operas, operas, expanding it to other, like, uh, like expanding it to other concepts, historical dramas or something, right? Like what does Pantheon mean across the board? Yep. Uh, even, because mov- movies even bad are, good movies, yeah, yeah, good bad movies. We that had that conversation right. already. Yeah, like what does it mean to have the best worst movie? Like that's that's right, another right, question. Right, 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 right. Um, so so for me, uh, even as a rock opera, I just don't feel like it it it, it stood up well enough to to like. It, for me, a Pantheon movie is something that I say, this is essential viewing, and on top of that, that this movie is is excellent across the board. Mm-hmm. And I can't say that about this movie. Right. I'm with you. For me. I'm with you. Other people maybe love it. Yeah. And I can't disagree with somebody else's point of view, obviously, but yeah, yeah. just in mine. Yeah. Uh, any Any last thought there? No, I'm right there. I mean, I think I've expressed it. Okay. Uh, so, I think that brings us to a close. As always, I hope everyone enjoyed tonight's conversation. Uh, where can we find you, uh, Mr. Mac? On the Facebook under uh, Gary McFall. There are a few Gary McFalls, but I'm the one with the Purdue connection. I'm a, a faculty member at Purdue University in Computer Science, and so you're going to See me with a lot of Purdue Boilermaker stuff. And how about you, Diamond Dove? Uh, you can find me, uh, like, I'm connected with Purdue as well, but you, you'll finally, uh, as far as Adventures in Videoland is concerned, you'll find me mostly on the Facebook page. As you'll find me there, too. Um, that, uh, as, as uh, generally speaking, you can find Adventures in Videoland on Instagram and Facebook, uh, Twitter, as well, and but not, not as much. And the web, adventuresinvideoland.com. Uh, and, and, uh, and on the web. Um, Just one last clarification, Adventures in Video Land is not a paid service. So if you're listening to this podcast, you're welcome. It was free. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, the conversation always begins and ends on Facebook. And, uh, and you've been listening to Criticism in its finest hour. Until next time, Videolanders, I think you're special just the way you are. I, wait, hold on. I, I, I still think... That's not original. That was not... I did that, like, I wrote that myself. I was thinking about something like, I love you, you love me. No, right. we promise to get this down pat one of these times. We'll, we we will, will figure this out. I'm thinking about a ukulele solo, possibly. If, by the way, if you want us to have a ukulele solo as, right. as we our need to end. outro, you should just throw yeah, this on no, Facebook. We, as need, a... we need to end. Okay. All right. All right. Good night, everybody. We love you. We love you. Yeah.